Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, November 17th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, Marionette Miller-Meeks gets a primary challenger. The Republican presidential primary gets lighter. A new Iowa State University poll and multi-candidate events in Iowa sans Trump. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me this week are lead Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is here. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. We have Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Hello, Jared. Aaron, today I would like to announce that I am withdrawing my candidacy for the office of President of the United States. Not taking any questions. <laughs> How many pizza ranches did you hit, uh, Jared, during the campaign? Uh, not enough, and that's why I'm uh, withdrawing you. <laughs> and finally, we have Gazette columnist Todd Dorman with us. Hello, Todd. Hello. All right. Uh, we're going to start with Sarah this week as she has some news out of Eastern Iowa to discuss. But before we get to that, even, I'd like to congratulate Sarah and the Quad City Times uh, on their recent honor from the Freedom of Information Council for their use of open records in reporting on the downtown Davenport building collapse. So Sarah, uh, congratulations to you and your colleagues on a well-earned honor and, and thunderous, thunderous applause here. Uh, St- Stephen, maybe if you get time, you can insert thunderous applause into the soundtrack here. Ah, shucks, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, team effort all around. Everybody really pitches in. Yeah, very cool and well-deserved, well-deserved. All right, so on to our political news of the week. Uh, and the bulk of our discussion this week will be on the camp caucus campaign trail. So let's first start with one note that we have from the congressional campaign trail. Eastern Iowa Congresswoman Marionette Miller-Meeks learned this week that she will face a challenger in the 2024 Republican primary election. So Sarah, uh, you reported on this. Tell us about this individual who has entered the first district campaign and why they decided to run against Miller Meeks. And uh, without giving away too much of your story, by the way, which I'll suggest our, our leaders, our our listeners, sorry, also check out. Yeah. So um, uh, local, so Davenport Republican David Patch announced that he is intending to run for the first congressional district. He um, said he's filed paperwork with the Federal Elections Commission. Um, it hasn't shown up yet, but uh, he sent me the paperwork. So, um, so anyway, so he's he's intending to run against Mil- Marionette Miller Meeks, and he's he's really coming from the right flank of the party. He is known. He is a devout Christian um, and advocates for a greater role in Christianity and government. Um, he told me that he's running because um, he believes that Marionette Miller Meeks has uh, lost her way and that she's too often out of step with the principles of her fellow Republicans and with biblical morality. Um, so he or he's known in the Quad Cities for organizing an annual prayer breakfast. Um, the last few notable uh, speakers have included Carrie Lake and um, Mike Lindell, both of whom have denied the results of the 2020 election. Um, and so he's so he's really advocating for um, uh, for Miller Meekster for the representative of Southeast Iowa to be further to the right. He's critical of her votes on um, on the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, he believes that. Uh, there should not be any marriage except for between a man and a woman um, and thinks that uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks doesn't recognize that and um, also disagreed with her position against 
opposing Jim Jordan's uh, bid for the speakership on those later ballots. Yeah, so I like you said, clearly someone coming from the uh, coming from the right uh, of Marionette Miller Meeks. Um, I, I, it, this just uh, you know broke this week, and I don't know if I'm just curious. It doesn't sound you know necessarily like um, uh, the kind of challenge that ultimately threatens an, an incumbent congresswoman. But has did, did Marionette Miller Meeks make any kind of statement uh, uh, publicly or to you this week, Sarah? Uh, she did not, uh, yeah. and not to, I don't think she made a public statement to my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen them either, so. Um, something, um, something I was wondering about this is that um, if there's a chance of someone running to the right of her and actually winning the primary, if that would make the seat more competitive next fall, less competitive, or if it would be about the same. I think it would be hard for someone like Patch to um, win in places like Johnson County and even even Davenport. Um, I think it'd be difficult. Um, Clinton, some other places. I mean, he's he's very far to the right and uh, is very very religious. I mean, he he thinks that we are a Christian nation and that um, representatives should be involving God in their decision-making at all, at all times. Yeah, that's a good point that Sarah makes there uh, uh, to that. That's a good question, Jared. And, and in the district where Republicans win by running up the margins as much as possible outside of Johnson County, you still got to fend for that. That's, that's, you know, Johnson County is where the democratic candidates drive up theirs and, and, and it, I mean, my, my sense of it would be that would make it more difficult for a Republican uh, to run there. Um, um, but I don't know. I, I mean, it's 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 also a, a newish district with redistricting, too. And it, uh, it 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 got a little more Republican. That was the the Miller Meeks won by six votes in, in 2020 and then uh, won by a wider margin in 2022. So. Um, that would be interesting to see if, if, if uh, how that would play out, if that ha would happen. All right. Thanks, Sarah, for that. Uh, let's get moving on now to the caucuses. And, and let's start with the fact that we're now another candidate lighter, as over the weekend, South Carolina U.S. Senator Tim Scott announced that he is suspending his campaign. This wasn't necessarily shocking, as, as Scott has failed to gain traction in the polls, much like former Vice President Mike Pence before him. Um, but but Scott was an interesting candidate in this election because so many Iowa Republicans said they like him, he, but he just so few of them considered him their first choice. Uh, Caleb, you covered Scott on the campaign trail here in Iowa in recent weeks after his uh, quote all in on Iowa shift. Um, let me get your reaction to the news. What are your thoughts about Scott getting out of the race? Yeah, I thought it was interesting now, especially given um, the all in on Iowa uh, commitment he made just a couple of weeks ago um, that he was going to, you know, really um, double down here. And, uh, you know, there was reports that his staff did not know it was coming up, that there were staff that had just moved to Iowa uh, temporarily and, you know, to the offices that they were about to open. So um, it's an interesting surprise. Um, I do think it was uh, eventually, you know, going to happen. He didn't really have any path forward here. Um, his campaign was really trying to play up the evangelical uh, angle that, you know, they, they kind of said often that there was a wide open evangelical lane that the voters were um, open to uh, another candidate. But 
I think, you know, for a lot of reasons, and Aaron, um, you can you can tell me what you um, learned from that story that you wrote with Tom about evangelical voters, but it seems like they're pretty split um, this year. And, you know, it's not going to be the candidate who quotes the Bible the most that's going to win their votes. Uh, you know, they have they have their reason for for voting for various candidates. So um, the as, as for what his uh, um, exit means for the race, um, the Des Moines Register um, looked at their polling data and um, found that his exit wouldn't have too much of an effect in Iowa, at least. Um, he was, his voters were fairly split in their second choice between uh, Trump, Nikki Haley, and DeSantis. Uh, I, I am curious whether um, Ron DeSantis's, uh, the endorsement by Kim Reynolds of Ron DeSantis is going to um, give anybody a, a, a second thought about that when they're kind of deciding who, who to switch their support for. So uh, I don't think it's going to be have too much of an impact, but um, interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, you you had it right, Caleb. You know, when you talk to um, those voters, you, you said it perfectly. It's it's not the person who gets up there and, um, you know, leans into their faith, quotes the Bible the most. It, uh, you know, they have their uh, preferred issues just like everybody else. Now, maybe something like a, a, a abortion or freedom of religion plays a little stronger with them, but, um, you know, that – Tim Scott wasn't necessarily any different than the rest of the field on, on those um, candidates. Um, he was pretty good at, at the, at the, at the, the scripture quoting though. He would, he would cite specific verses oh, yeah, several absolutely. times in his, in his, uh, so it was an interesting uh, flair that he gave. This, um, this might be a, a question for Todd as it might lend itself to an opinionated uh, sort of answer. But um, I, I do wonder if it says anything at all about what folks are looking for this cycle, that the guy who was kind of most specifically billing himself as sort of the happy warrior uh, for the cycle and the most good natured and sort of upbeat just was not able to, to catch on at all. Yeah, he, that I mean, that's a good point. He, he was kind of trying to be the the optimistic voice, but this is a party right now that's kind of bent on more more or less to, you know, retribution, revenge. <laughs> I don't know what other R words I mean, come up for. Yeah, I mean, Trump has literally said, voters. Yeah, yeah tr Trump has literally said, yeah, I am your retribution. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, you, you know, you can't be optimistic when you're going after the vermin, right? I mean, it's, it's just, uh, you know, whistling while you whack them with a club or something. I'm not, I'm not sure I've. I haven't done a lot of vermin hunting myself, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a, this is a, an electorate that's ready for a, a message that is, you know, we've got to stop Democrats from destroying America as we know it, and those sort of things. And there isn't much, there isn't much room for uh, for a sunny disposition. Yeah, no, and and look to that um, point, um, they you hear often. Um, from from Republicans at these events that we want a fighter. We want someone who's going to, you know, fight for the party. And 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 that wasn't the the picture um, that Tim Scott was conveying. So um, yeah, and it obviously, like I said, now that said, it was he he, he said at the top. Um, you go to these things, and when candidate or when voters would tell you, Iowa Republicans would tell you. Um, there are three or four people they're considering. Tim Scott was very, very frequently on that list. He was just never anybody's first choice, or very rarely, anyway. So that that was kind of his 
um, he, he was he was unable to get stuck out of that lane. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. He um, advertised um, heavy early on in the campaign. He was on TV first and often, and uh, um, it just never vaulted him um, uh, into the you know the the even the second tier really uh, behind Trump. So, all right. Uh, Moving on, uh, speaking of tiers, we have a new poll to discuss. The latest monthly Iowa State University civics poll was published just uh, um, a mere hours before we're taping this podcast on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Todd, you've, you've been looking at this a little bit. Um, it looked like the field itself remained pretty static, uh, but maybe some interesting results on there. They asked about Governor Reynolds' endorsement of Ron DeSantis and what impact that may or may not have on the race. What uh, looked interesting in that? Well, I I think uh, every time we talk about polling on the podcast, we should get a recording of that guy from Cedar Rapids who plays the trumpet at Churchill Downs because that was signal that we're you know we're we're starting the horse race. Horse race journalism. Here we go. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the it, it's a poll, and and guess what? Donald Trump is way ahead, and and Ron DeSantis is in second, far behind, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, uh, Nikki Haley is a little bit further back. Uh, yeah, I mean, DeSantis and Haley still get a pretty good share of the sort of second choice people in that poll. But I mean, obviously, I mean, even even Trump gets some second second right. choice. Uh so yeah, it's still it's still his to to lose at this point. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing about the uh, you know there's some polling in this on the uh, the effect of Reynolds' uh, endorsement of DeSantis, and I think there's about sixty three percent of those polled mm-hmm. said it would make no difference whatsoever, and twenty two percent said it would make them less likely to vote for DeSantis, right. and then there was a big whopping thirteen percent that said it would help DeSantis. I don't yep. know if that's the the effect that the governor was hoping for but at this point uh this hasn't been the game changing lightning strike that maybe the DeSantis campaign was hoping for yeah yeah that's jump that's what jumped out to me too and and to, and to put those numbers together to drive it home um this is exactly what you said i'm just saying it a little differently 85% <laughs> of the respondents said it either doesn't make a difference or actually makes them less likely to support Ron DeSantis. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a pretty uh, decisive uh, number there. Um, and, and again, you know, not surprising. We've talked about that. And that's what, when I talked to experts for a story on this last week, that's what they said. Um, it, it just doesn't um, endorsements just don't move the needle. Um, the one thing I will say it'll be interesting is um you could view endorsements and actual campaigning by Reynolds as two different things. And as I say that <laughs> governor DeSantis is uh, opening an, an office in Des Moines on Saturday morning and governor Reynolds is going to be there. Never back down the pack supporting uh, DeSantis is um, organizing some events and governor Reynolds is going to be at those two. So, so that's, so, so it can, it can, both things can be true that the endorsement itself doesn't light the polls uh, or the race on fire, but, if 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 this becomes a thing where Reynolds is out barnstorming the state in these last uh, couple months, last six weeks, whatever it is, um, 
you know, that could potentially have a, some kind of effect. She's obviously a very popular figure in the party in this uh, state, but the, but the, the um, endorsement itself, not so much. Yeah, to that end, I think the um, ad that Ron DeSantis' campaign put out this week um, is a pretty, uh, it will, I guess it'll be interesting to see um, if it has that effect, because um, for those who haven't seen it, um, it's mostly Kim Reynolds talking about Ron DeSantis. He's only in there for a few seconds at the end. And so if you're <laughs> if you're an Iowa Republican and you're you know just now tuning into things, um, you know, you're seeing on TV your governor saying all these great things about Ron DeSantis, um, I think that has a lot more impact than just hearing reading a news headline that she endorsed him you know so seeing the actual speech um over and over might might make it have a you know an impact yeah yep and just to give you the 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 straight numbers uh that todd was talking about there 54 percent for trump 18 for DeSantis, and 12 for haley um so you know very similar to what we've been seeing very static still and and even um for everything that's happened in the last month, DeSantis only gained and Haley both gained one percentage point apiece uh, from the from the poll a month ago from ISU and Civic. So, so I uh, TV. I thought with the TV ad, it was interesting that it took them, you know, more than a week to get that ad up, which made me wonder how much the DeSantis campaign was maybe, you know, how much this was kind of a surprise that she, you know, chose to endorse. Mm-hmm. Now, because usually if, if you know it's coming, you, you pop the ad the, almost the day after the endorsement and you, you really try to harness the the attention that's being paid to it. And so, yeah, I was, was a little bit surprised that it took them so long to get on TV with that. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. I didn't think about that that way. All right. Finally, this week, uh, we got a couple of big multi-candidate, multi-candidate events on the caucus calendar. And neither of them will include former President Donald Trump, which has been pretty much the case throughout this cycle. Uh, I believe that the, the, the state party Lincoln Dinner is the only one he attended throughout this cycle. He didn't go to either Faith and Freedom events. He video swooped into the first one. Um, and he didn't go to uh, the first Vanderplatz event. Uh, anyways. Um, no roast and ride? Right? He didn't go to the roast and ride. Thank you. I knew I was forgetting one. Didn't go to the roast, Joni Ernst roast and ride. Um, so the Lincoln dinner was the only one he was physically, uh, present for, um, this Friday, uh, the, uh, maybe even already over, depending on when you listen to our podcast, uh, the Iowa family leaders holding an event will, that will include Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Trump declined an invitation to the event and, and, um, then next month, right, Jared, this one's in December. Yeah. Um, December yeah. 9th. Okay. Western Iowa Congressman Randy Feenster will host an event with, I believe, the same trio. Also correct, Jared? Yep. Nice. Nailed it. All right. Um, (laughs) Jared, it seems like every week I ask some version of, will this hurt Trump? And every week our collective answer is probably not. So I'm not going to do that again. No, no, I lied. I'm going to do it again. Jared, (laughs) will this hurt Trump that he's not at these big multi-candidate events? And I guess maybe especially down the stretch here, is is he missing an opportunity to pick up more support and strengthen that grip on Iowa that we just talked about in the poll results? So I I do think that um, if this does end up biting Trump at all, that we might not actually see it in the polling and that it might be like a caucus day 
thing of people sort of going, well, how much did he actually invest in being here? He didn't even really bother to show up that often besides an event here or there. Um, the thing I still can't entirely figure out is how much of this is him not coming because he wants to spite parts of the Republican establishment in Iowa. Um, how much is him thinking he doesn't need to tighten his grip that much further because of the the leads that his campaign is seeing? And how much of it is all the other stuff, the, the various trials and everything sort of impacting these decisions in a much more more practical sense? I, I don't know how much of the pie uh, should yeah. be allotted to each of those those things. Yeah, but it could, as you list them, I mean, it would make sense that it's a mixture of all of them, right? Like, like we know in the case of the Vanderplatz events, he wasn't going to those because no, Vanderplatz no, no, no. has been critical of him this year. Yeah, so he's not going anywhere near those. Um, the Faith and Freedom one surprises me a little bit that he uh, that he wasn't willing to go to to either of those. Like I said, he did make a video make a video appearance for the first one. Um, the Feimster one does surprise me a little more, given. The, uh, go ahead, Jared. The the only thing I, I I was thinking that too. The only thing I guess I would maybe say is that. You know, Feenstra was taking office as Trump was leaving, so there wasn't necessarily a chance for the same kind of relationship as there was. That's true. That's true. And Feenstra hasn't endorsed Trump, so he didn't help himself in that way. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a a non-endorsement can almost be taken as antagonism sometimes with Trump. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's all, you know, I'm sure, and you've heard him say this, you know, that, oh, you know, uh, the former president would, well, the president, they would say, they would never say former. Uh, the president would be in Iowa more often if he wasn't being persecuted by political uh, prosecutions and beset by, on all sides by his enemies and America's enemies. And so, you know, that's why he can't come here all the time and, and do that stuff. And that, that that's probably the sort of argument that works with, with his folks. And 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 that very well could be even just from a logistics standpoint. But on the other hand, um, I don't know if it's the most recent two, but a couple times in a row that Trump was in Iowa. The uh, I think it is the last two times that he was in Iowa. He was in a courtroom in New York the next day. So yeah, it's, it's not well, like he's worried about his travel weird, schedule. What What's weird about um, what Todd was saying about making that case is that that's a really easy sort of case to turn back around on Trump if you're one of the other candidates running and they still have not really done it that much. Even they could even say, you know, we don't think these trials are are very fair and it's a witch hunt, but it it is still a witch hunt that he's having to deal with. And we don't think that he's going to be able to run as effectively because of that. And it's weird that you're still not seeing that sort of rationale from the other candidates. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't even tell you which candidate is. I know I've heard that, but like literally once and like back in the summer and I haven't heard it since. Well, I, I think somebody uh, delivered a line like that in the last debate, something mm-hmm. about we need a president that isn't, you know, preoccupied with. Yeah. It, they, they never say his name, of course, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, his his supporters don't seem to care about any of that. I mean, the polls have just, shown that they're not right they could indict him 91 more times and it's still i don't think it would it would matter yeah and to circle back to my question to do the silly egotistical thing of answering my own question um (laughs) the other 
thing I think that factors into this when you talk about Trump is nobody needs to go out to hear Donald Trump to learn what he's about, right? It, it, anywhere, but especially within the Iowa Republican Party, there's there's nobody um, saying to themselves, I should get to that. Uh, I hope John Trump shows up to Randy Feinster's event so I can hear what he has to say. Uh, you know, the 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 uh, the bio is written uh, on that particular candidate. So, all right. Well, plenty to watch for in the coming weeks, man. We're we're getting into it now. I sound as excited as I'm. I sound excited as I'm saying that, but that's just that's really shielding my dread. So, um, it's going to be an interesting stretch run. Uh, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you're not already, please subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also catch us each week on your preferred Gazette or Lee newspaper website. And now that you listen to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. Jeremy Jacobs will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. And I don't know if any of my fellow Redbirds are listening to the podcast back home, but man, we just lost a heartbreaker in the state finals. So my heart's with you, fellow Redbirds, if you're listening. For Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McNett, Todd Dorman, and our producer, Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.